Hey, it is so good to be with you. Uh, I was gone for a couple of months, not intentionally, but I had problems returning. So you can imagine what happened. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm just delighted um, to get this, to spend this time with you. And I really believe that Jesus wants to meet us here today, has already met us through worship, and so my prayer also has been that he will meet us um, through this message. So in 2002, I had the privilege of participating in a discipleship training school with Mercy Ships. Now, Mercy Ships is a medical missions organization, an NGO that uh, has medical hospital ships and that docks in countries to provide life-saving, life-transforming surgeries. And their mission is to bring hope and healing. And they do that uh, both physically, but they also do that spiritually through their medical work and through sharing the love of Jesus. Now, I joined them in Freetown in Sierra Leone, a country uh, uh, in, in West Africa. And I, I spent several months there. And then we sailed from Freetown to the Gambia, which is another small country in, in West Africa. Now, when Mercy Ships heads to a new place, they've actually already done a ton of work before they ever get there. They send a ground team there. They work with government officials, because you cannot just show up and you know, decide you're going to do surgeries in a country. Uh, they work with health departments. They work with churches. They work with other NGOs, with community leaders to partner with them in their work, to spread the news about what they're doing, and to do this awesome and amazing medical work. So some of the things that they do is removing tumors. There's a common tumor in that area where a lot of people can't afford to care for it, it just grows. And it actually can really uh, take the dignity of people and also endanger their lives, so they remove tumors. They do surgeries on cleft lips, they do surgery on club feet, and, and lots of other things, and restorative plastic surgery. So it's absolutely incredible that, that physical, but also that spiritual transformation that they bring. Now, one of the things that Mercy Ship does when they then arrive in a dock is probably within a week or so, they schedule a massive medical screening. So they, and all the people, you know, they've been spreading the news, you can see here a line, so it's up to like a thousand people or more. Sometimes they use stadiums to, to do that medical screening. And they come and they're examined by the ship's doctors, and then they schedule them for surgery. Now, of course, they put the most urgent surgeries first, uh, but, but, it, but it, there is a lot of work to figure out, you know, when to schedule surgery, how long they take time in the war to recover, but it's absolutely incredible. But every once in a while, also people are in that line that come that cannot be helped medically any longer. And so when that happens, they encourage people uh, to go to a, t a group of people from Mercy Ships that's there, that is there to care for them, but also to pray for supernatural healing. And people have been healed. Now, as we were sailing from Sierra Leone to the Gambia, and by the way, this was the time when I figured out that I'm not meant to be on a ship, because <laughs> I get really seasick. But, and he said it was even the smoothest sailing possible, so I'm, I just stay away from them now. Um, but as we were sailing, they told me that I would be one of the people who was going to pray for supernatural healing for the terminally ill. 
And I have to say, I was anxious. I was freaked out. I was a young guy. I had never prayed for a terminally ill person before. Now, I don't know about you, you know, whether you would be excited about that opportunity or whether that be something where you maybe feel like I feel, a little bit anxious. You're not 100% sure. So I ended up getting out of it, and here I have a confession. I was happy. <laughs> and it's maybe not what you expected from one of your pastors. I wasn't a pastor back then, but I was, but I was really relieved. But looking back, I would say I actually missed an incredible opportunity to make myself available to God, for him to work through me uh, in prayer, for, to make myself available to the person who just has gotten a very difficult news and to pray for them, to pray for healing, and in the very least, to bring God's comfort and care to that person in that situation. So I don't know what your experience and what your practice with prayer is. Maybe some of you, you pray a lot. Maybe you haven't prayed in a while, or it's been even quite hard to get yourself to pray because you know the emotions that will come up when you, when you go to God in prayer. Maybe you're one of those people who gets really excited to pray for healing. Maybe you've never done it and you're just not sure. Whatever your prayer journey is, and I, I shared from you with my prayer journey, you know, this is part of my prayer journey. God wants to invite you today to be people who are bold in prayer, who pray for healing, who bring things to Jesus in prayer, and you know what? Jesus loves to partner with his people. He loves to partner with the church when they pray. And he loves to powerfully release his healing, his renewing, his restoring, his forgiving work in the lives of people and communities. And we get to be part of that. He loves to partner with us. So, we are in our final message of our sermon series, How We Now Live. And the topic today is bold and prayer. And we're going to explore through this message, through the passage. We're going to look at what does it mean to be bold in prayer? What are we even talking about? And then secondly, how might God be inviting us to be people who are bold in prayer? Does that sound good? Yes? All right. I'm, I'm excited. But I also want to say, sometimes when you talk about bold, being bold, um, we, we have certain images that come to our minds. Maybe it's like an extrovert, you know, who's super social. Uh, maybe it's somebody who's praying in a loud voice. Or, or, or maybe it's somebody who's very confident when they pray. But that's not what, what bold prayer is about. And I'm just saying this because I have the sense that some of us here today, we might not be feeling that bold, but I want you to know that being bold in prayer is also for you. Now let me set a little bit the context for uh, this message and this passage. So James, the brother of Jesus, is writing to early Christian communities spread across the Mediterranean area. And the early Christians are actually going through very difficult times. There is, they're being taken advantage of economically, so there's oppression, there's injustice, and there's just lots of trials uh, that they are facing. And James is encouraging them to 
be people who live distinct Christian lives so that they don't look like their surrounding culture, but that the faith in Jesus is visible in how they live. And we've actually been talking about this, right? Joyful in hardship, strong in temptation, active in faith, faithful in words, and courageous in justice. And today we're talking about being bold in prayer. Now, a lot of emphasis in, in, in James's book is also going through trials and waiting on God patiently. You know, that God will come through. But I love how James ends this letter in a very pastoral way. Because he talks to this church about the present availability of Jesus. Jesus is available to you right now. You can come to him in prayer. And he loves the work. He loves to move when his people come and his church comes. So James is encouraging them that Jesus is right there and they can come to him with whatever it is that they're facing and going through. And that he can act and he does act right now, right here. So let's uh, actually read the passage in James. We're in James chapter 5 and starting in verse 13 it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So as we're going to unpack this message, this passage, we're going to be asking a question, how is God inviting us to be people who are bold in prayer? So in verse 13, J James talks about two circumstances. So it says, is, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. First circumstance. If you're in trouble, pray. Second circumstance. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Now, it'd be easy to rush on, you know, just skim over this passage, because in some sense it's straightforward, but I think we need to pause here a little bit and reflect just a little bit more on what God wants to say to us. So the, the word that James uses for trouble, kakopatheo, it means internal distress caused by external uh, circumstances. So that's one of the, the meanings. So it's an internal distress. Now, what is internal distress? We all know what we all have experienced. It's like these running thoughts. It's anxiousness. It's fear. It's panic. Maybe it even expresses itself physically through headaches, stomach aches. So what do we do? Do we sit there and we complain to God, you know, when we're in trouble? Do we... Just sit there in frustration and maybe even try to deal with it ourselves? 
where do we bring our troubles to Jesus? And I know that, I think for a lot of us, our, 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 tempt, our temptation there is that, that we actually don't bring our troubles to Jesus. That's why James is encouraging those early Christians, and also we are being encouraged to bring our troubles to Jesus because we don't always do it. But Jesus is readily available, and he wants to work through our prayers. So being bold in prayer means uh, that we're bringing the trouble that we are facing and experiencing to God in prayer. So we can bring that to him. So what trouble are you experiencing right now that you have not brought to Jesus yet? The next James talks about, um, if you're happy, sing songs of praise. Now, remember, the early Christian community, they're actually going through a difficult time, but yet there's still God's goodness. There's still moments of happiness in there. And James is encouraging them to praise God. Now, we're already don't always bring our troubles to God, but I think we're even less likely to bring our praises to God. And praise, by the way, is also a form of prayer. It's thanksgiving. And so when we think of being bold, I don't think that most of us think, when we talk about being bold in prayer, we don't think about that actually part of bold prayer is praising God. That is a bold act. You know what makes it especially bold? When, when we're actually going through a hard time, but yet we choose to praise God for his goodness in our lives. That's bold. That's a bold declaration. And so James is inviting us to, to be bold in prayer means being bold in our praise. To declare God's goodness boldly. That's powerful. When you know somebody is going through a tough time and you see them praising God, man, I'm touched. So we can be bold in our praise. Now in verse 14, there, there's another circumstance that, that James addresses where he encourages the church to be prayerful in and to actually ask for prayer in this instance. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And I love how, how James empowers or, or the, the sick person. You know, the, you can call on others and ask others to pray for you. Yeah. And here, here specifically, he's encouraging for the people to call on the elders. Now, who are the elders? Well, elders are spiritual leaders of a community. They, they oversee the community. They shepherd the community. And so we're supposed to call on the elders to the, the anoint us and to pray over us in the name of the Lord. Now, what, what, what is anointing all about? This anointing with oil. Well, one of the meanings, it's a symbolic meaning that means that a person is being set apart for God's special care and attention. You know, God, we're setting this person apart for God's special care and attention. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Like that, that symbolism of that. And then it's also a symbolism of the power of the healing of Jesus, that Jesus is powerful and able to heal. But then we're also told that the elders are supposed to pray in the name of the Lord. Now, praying, that means praying in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our Lord, and he has given us authority, he has given elders authority to, to act on his authority and by his power when we pray. Now, if you think about it, when Jesus sends out the disciples first in this mission to Israel, later on, all of us, he sends us with his authority. 
So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're, we're doing that on behalf of Jesus and by his power. You are doing that on behalf of Jesus and by his power. And he works through the prayers. Now, of course, not just elders can pray and anoint, you know, for healing. And God works in this church a lot of times, also through anyone else, you know, who anoints a sick person and prays for healing. But he has given elders a special authority in the church to, to pray for healing. So we, we can come to them and we can ask for prayers. So being bold in prayer involves also praying over those who are sick for supernatural healing. Now, I want to encourage you with a, a testimony from actually Pastor Ellison's mom. So, so I'll read it to you. On December 1st last year, my health took a dramatic turn for the worse. This was very unusual. I'm a very healthy and active person. I was eating well and doing regular exercise. But after having a fever for a few days, I fainted at home and found myself unconscious in the ICU. I was suffering from um, an infection, which meant the brain was swelling out of control to the point where it was life-threatening. They managed to get that under control, but that was just the beginning. What follows was a four-month battle for my life. Doctors were baffled. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I had a consistent fever within more than 40 degrees Celsius. Growths were found in my lungs, in my liver, and in my brain. I was constantly in and out of consciousness. And my family were not able to visit me due to COVID restrictions. They told my family that I was facing a serious form of cancer which had spread all over my body. The doctor even told my family that they should be prepared to say goodbye at any moment. But it didn't make any sense. After all I said beforehand, I was actually a healthy person and I didn't have any cancer-like symptoms at all. And so we prayed. My family prayed. My church prayed. My colleagues prayed. And God began to work his healing. After almost five months in the hospital, I was finally discharged. Turns out it wasn't cancer in the end. I still don't know the answer to what actually caused the sickness. The best the doctors could tell me was that it was a mysterious infection. In the end, it doesn't matter. I know that Jesus was the one who healed me. And he will continue to be with me for the rest of my life. Praise God. So we can ask for healing, and God has the power to release this healing on his people. So now, in our passage, James turns to how God works through prayer. So in verse 15, uh, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So here we're told that a person is made well through the prayer of faith, that they can be healed through the prayer of faith. Now, now what is the prayer of faith? Well, the prayer of faith means that we have trust in the Lord, that he is able, you know, to heal. 
but it also means that there is a commitment to Jesus, that we're single-minded and not double-minded, that we're committed to, to, to following and living the life of Jesus. doesn't mean we do that perfectly. So the prayer of faith is, is offered by somebody who trusts God, who trusts Jesus, and who, who is committed to Jesus. Now, sometimes when we pray, there's also special faith that is released and given to us to pray for somebody for supernatural healing. You know, as we're praying that, the Holy Spirit reveals that God wants to heal that person. And so when that happens, we can lean into that faith that God has given us to pray for that supernatural healing. Now, inherent in a prayer of faith is also that we are submitting to God's will. So whether or not uh, Jesus does his healing work in a person's life is up to God. You know, we, we pray the prayer, and we're called to ask for healing. We should pray for that, but then ultimately it's up for God to decide what he does in this person's life. And so we just entrust that to him, and we hand that over to him. You know, what, what I love, though, is that, that Jesus invites all of us, all of us, you might not think of yourself that way, but all of us into this work. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been sent with authority. Uh, and God loves to partner with us, church. You have a mission. We have the mission to share the gospel. We have the mission to just serve and love people and contribute to the flourishing of society. But you also have a mission to pray. And God wants to release his healing, his redeeming, his renewing, his forgiving work through prayer, and he allows us to partner with him in that. That's powerful, and it's beautiful, and it's encouraging that we get to co-labor with God. Now, God does the healing. We, we don't do the healing, but he allows us to be part of the process, and it's so encouraging you know, when we experience God's work through our prayers. Now next, <clears throat> James, he also talks about spiritual healing. That God does not just want to heal us physically, but he also wants to do some spiritual healing and really some spiritual healing through prayer. So in verse, uh, especially verse 16, we're encouraged. And this is, this is the community being encouraged. This takes place in the community. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we're encouraged to confess our sins to each other. We're, we're told that God wants to release his healing when we do that. Now, why is James encouraging the Christian community to do this? Just one second. Why, why is James encouraging the Christian community to do this? Well, he knows that we're broken people. Yes, we, we've experienced Jesus' forgiveness and a new life in him, but we still stumble. We, we still sin against God, against others. And, and then we're not fully being the people that God has created us to be. But we can come to him and we can confess our sins and we can pray for each other and he releases this healing to renew us, to forgive us, and to give us the grace to, to, to move forward and live by, by his grace. Now, a lot of times when we, when we think of sin, we, we think of just big type of things like murder or, or theft. 
And of course, that is part of it. But Jesus actually talks about that sin is a heart issue. So here are some words from Jesus from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. He says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So while we have beautiful and good things in our hearts, but there is also still sin in our hearts. And if we would just look at this past week of all that has happened in our hearts, all our thoughts, our judgment, our lust, our envy, it, it wouldn't be, it's not very pretty. It's not very pretty. And I know I would be deeply embarrassed if you could see all of that that has happened here. But so we're, so we're encouraged to bring this heart issue that we have to Jesus for, us, for him to renew us, to restore us, and to do his forgiving and healing work in our lives. And a friend and also scholar, Mary-Kate Morris, she writes, confession is part of the daily rhythm of prayer. It's actually something we can do daily. It reminds us that love and wholeness is in God and not in our effort. Right. You know, we're, yeah, we're, we're not whole because of what we do. We're whole because of what Jesus has done. We're whole because we stand in his grace, because we receive his forgiveness. And he wants to release this wholeness and this love in which we stand when we confess our sins. Now, I know that when I've confessed my sins to, to Chris, to close friends, and asked them to pray with me, that Jesus, this healing work, is, is released. And, and guilt and shame is lifted. You know, and there's just a freshness and a newness. And also kind of shuts down the enemy who's, who's accusing us. So, so when we confess our sins to each other, it's powerful. And I cannot actually think of something more bold to share the stuff that's not so pretty with somebody to, and ask to pray with each other about this, right? So again, being bold in prayer is maybe a little bit different than what we thought, but it's also being vulnerable and confessing our sins to each other. And Jesus then releases his healing work on his people. So being bold in prayer is regularly confessing our sin, which releases God's forgiveness and healing work in our lives. Now finally... James goes on and he reminds us of the effectiveness and the power that is in prayer. And again, why, why does James need to remind us? Well, because we forget how powerful prayer is. We underestimate it. We underestimate how Jesus wants to meet us and work through it when we come to him in prayer. So in verse six, 16, the, the, the last part, it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, what is a righteous person? Am I one of them? You, know, you might be wondering, does that count for me? Well, here, here's what a righteous person is. A righteous person is a person who is a Christian who stands in the grace of God, not their own goodness. You know, somebody who's, who has received that forgiveness and grace and who as the child of God can, can call on God and has access to Jesus, you know, to work through prayer. And so then next, James illustrates 
how powerful our prayers are, and that's to encourage us. And so in verse 17, he, he talks, he tells, uh, reminds the Christian community of the story of the prophet of Elijah, and it says this, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Wow. Now, it's easy to kind of raise an objection. Actually, James was anticipating that people object, well, you know, Elijah, he, you know, he was a prophet. He had, like, special access to God. But it actually says that Elijah was a human. He was a person like you and me, that there is no difference. He also had his human weaknesses. He had his, he had his anxious thoughts. He had all of that. And so we can, anyone, we all are on the same ground when we come to Jesus in prayer. And there's a, there's a quote I want to share with you uh, from, a, from a professor and pastor. He says, there are no extraordinary humans with unique access to God. Just an extraordinary God whose power is able, uh, whose power is available to all who are willing to pray. So right now, I want to invite the worship team to, to come up. And I want to share with you a testimony of this extraordinary God and how he has met me uh, in, in my life. This is actually a continuation of the story with Mercy Ships. So I, I finished my time with Mercy Ships, and I went home to Germany. I was with my parents. So beforehand, I was working in, in, in the business world, and I felt that God was calling me to shift, to, to work in a church, to be a pastor, to, to be a missionary, to work in that, that direction. And, but now I had some challenges because I had borrowed money from my parents, 10,000 US dollars, which by now would be like 20,000 with inflation, you know, from 20 years ago. Um, and I needed to pay them back. Then I, I didn't know where to go for seminary. I didn't know much about seminaries. So where, where would I go? Where would I live? Um, then on top of it, seminary also costs, so like, how am I going to pay for this? But it was really cool. Like, God, I, I, I realized if God is calling me to do this, you know, he can provide for me. And so I prayed for God's provision. There was all these I don't knows. You know, I don't know where I will go. I don't know how I will pay. I don't know um, uh, how, how I'll, if I even get into seminary. But God answered and provided for me. I ended up getting a full scholarship to seminary. When, when does that ever happen? <laughs> For anyone who's in seminary, they don't, they're a little stingy with giving scholarships. <laughs> All right? And then after my first year, I, I got a job as a resident chaplain at, at Baylor University. And I got free housing, free food, free Wi-Fi, free gas and electric. And I even got a little stipend that after two years allowed me to pay my parents back. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so God provided for me, in my case, financially and, and through that job. But maybe in your case, this provision is different. Maybe it's a provision of um, guidance when you don't know which direction to go. Maybe it's a, a provision of a friendship you know, when you're really just longing for, for, for a good friend or for a relationship. So God provides in different ways. But right now, I, instead of also just talking about prayer, I actually want to lead us into a time of prayer. 
So in the next seven to 10 minutes, we're gonna take some time to pray together, to pray with each other. Now this is something we practice at the Vine now quite regularly, where we take some time, you know, you turn to somebody you know, you turn maybe to a friend, or you introduce yourself to someone, and you share with each other how you can pray for each other, and then we just pray. And so we're gonna take five to seven minutes to do that right now. If you're online, uh, Chapman will give you some instructions for how you can engage in this time. So let's do this right now. Let's turn to each other. Let's bring our prayer to Jesus, who is available, who loves to work through the prayers of his people. Let's do this right now. And then in a few minutes, I'll come back and I'll, I'll wrap up our time. <laughs> 